0: Uh, you live in a world that's very wishy-washy, and uh, they don't mind you being a Christian when it's convenient, right. Right. but when it makes you or them uncomfortable, sometimes it's a different story. Um, we challenged our youth at summer camp, and we told them, we said, hey, the sooner you become comfortable with being uncomfortable, the sooner you'll be more consistent in your walk with Christ and uh, appreciate that song. Go to Genesis chapter 13 this morning. Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, just for a moment. Genesis chapter 13. Everybody awake out there? All right. Well, uh, ready or not, here we go. Genesis 13, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse number one. Genesis chapter 13, verse number one. I got David up here stretching out. He kind of did some kind of stretch out here, so I guess I guess we're getting ready to go together, right, buddy? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Genesis 13, verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel. It's a very special place, by the way. Not going to preach about that today, but maybe some other time. Under the place where his tent. "...had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abram, he had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great. Sometimes having more isn't always better. So that they could not dwell together." There was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, you know, when there's strife, someone's got to be the bigger person and go, hey, we got a problem. And Abraham did that. Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So here's basically what's going on. Abraham is God's chosen man that God called out of the Ur, of the Chaldees, and said, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. And, and Lot leaves with Abraham in Genesis 12. He goes with him. It wasn't so much a God's plan for Abraham's life, but their lot is. And they've got this strife going on between them. Anybody here ever have any strife between them and anybody else? No, no one raised your hand? Okay, good. I'm glad you guys are perfect. Um, so, so especially not in marriage, right? Not in 50 years of marriage, you never would have strife, right? Uh, but, but you Or 27 for that matter. Uh, but, but you understand what I'm getting at. There's are strife now because they, they both have so much stuff. And they're, they're kind of going, okay, what do we do here? Abraham goes, look, man, you go whichever way you're going to go, and I'll go in the opposite. I don't. You take first choice. What I want you to do this morning is I want you to look at what Lot's first choice was. Look, if you would, at verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Uh, I want you to understand that sometimes your path to greener grass doesn't end the way that you anticipate that it will. Lot's looking at this land. He's going, Man, I got to have that. I got to have that. I got to have that. And a few chapters later, which we'll discover, things don't turn out the way for Lot that he anticipates that they would. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, let me just say this much. Sometimes the the reason you've got greener grass is because the septic tank is overflowed somewhere. You better be real careful what you consider greener grass. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, Brother Felix, if you'd ask God's blessing on it, the Word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for us all being able to make it a uh, Bless the people that couldn't make it. Bless the people that are traveling and or going about. It. Uh, it, uh, just help us uh, hear the Word. Uh, Give the Word for pastor to the priesthood. Help us go our church. Uh, help us be able to take it out the road. And uh, help us someone else to help us. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me... Let me say this, there are two categories of people here today, Uh, not rich and poor, not black and white, not not, uh, Republican and Democrat, not libertarian and conservative, not rich and, uh, none of that stuff, you're either saved or you're lost. And let me just say this much, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, here's the problem. You are on a path that's very wide, and there's a lot of room, and there's a lot of people walking on that path, and because of a lot of people being on that path, you just kind of assume that that path is okay, and where that path leads is a place called hell, and God doesn't want you to go there. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, what you're going to, what what you're drawing your life at the end, where it's going, is not a beautiful place. It's not a place of rest. It's a place of torment and of anguish and of agony. And God did not design you for that place. That's why Jesus Christ died, so you could be saved from your sin and from the consequence of that sin in a place called hell. Thank God he came for us. Now, if you're saved, listen, that's not your problem. You're on a different path. You know exactly where you're going. You're going to heaven when you die. Isn't that a blessing? That's the path that you're on, but let's be honest about it. Here's what God did. If you're saved, God fixed it so you couldn't mess that part up. God predestinated or predetermined that once you chose him, he fixed your destination so that you couldn't mess it up because if he gave us the option, we probably would mess that up. So you know what? That much is settled for you. The question is this. Uh, 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 later on this evening, I'll be boarding a flight, and uh, me and Brother Steven, we work together. We're going to somewhere, and, and uh, we're going to hit on that flight, and, and it's Southwest. I don't think Southwest has a first class on the plane, but anybody ever been on a plane ride before? And, and when you're booking that flight, and you notice the difference between the coach class and, and first class, and you're like, man, who cares? I, I mean, I'm just going to be happy to get where I'm going. That's a lot of Christians say about getting to heaven. Who cares about how I get there? I'm just, I'm just happy I'm getting there. And, and let me tell you something. You walk on that plane after having someone frisk you all over the place, you know, and, you know, and, and put your bag through the thing, and then they, they find something in your bag. It goes back through, you know, and, and after all that, then there's some baby screaming right behind you, bloody murder. Ah! you know and then there's a a mom that's got a kid on a leash because that's cool now I guess (laughs) kid on the leash you know and you're kind of like what is going on and then you get on that plane you're sweating you didn't get lunch because you thought you'd have time to get lunch because DIA has got a thousand restaurants in there however the lines are longer than Methuselah's life and you never got to your food so then you board that plane you're like I'm just glad I'm getting there and then you see the people in first class And they're, stre- and they're giving a little, little towelette, and they go, oh, thank you, thank you. And you're walking by them, and they're stretching their legs out, and you're like, what is this thing called space on a plane? And then you sit down, you sit down between, you know, two people that maybe should have gotten their own separate seats, you know, and, and, and you're kind of doing like this, you know, and, and for two hours you're cramped like this, and all you can think of is, if I could have just gotten first class, this would have been different. Oh, you're getting where you're going, but you will not arrive the same way. You ever been on first class? Don't raise your hand. I hate you. I've never been on first class. I, <laughs> I don't know. But I'm assuming it's really nice because I, I see those people get off the plane. They're like, you know, make a clicky. Haka, and then they're just, man, they're excited about life. They're ready to go wherever they're going. You get off the plane, like crack, 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 <laughs> you know, and you're wiping the sweat off of you because the air wasn't working right. And, oh, just it, that's coach versus first class. Let me just say this. If you're saved, you know where you're going, but some of you are going to arrive a little bit differently. Because of the choices that you're making right now. Let me just say this much. Lot, we know, is a believer of source because he himself is mentioned in the New Testament as such. The Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul. Are you kidding me? God calls that man a a righteous soul? You know what that tells me? Lot knew that where he was going wasn't right, but he wanted to get there because he had convinced himself it was greener grass. Ever been there? Look back at Genesis chapter 12. If I could just have that person, if I could just be in a different marriage, if I could just have different kids, if I could just have a different job, if I could just be in a different church, let me just say this. If you had everything you wanted, you would still take you with you. You know what Lot did? Lot looks out and he goes, you know what? I'm tired of this old man telling me what to do. I'm tired of this old man, you know, all this religious stuff and talking to God. I want to do my own thing. I want to go to greener grass. And he does, but it doesn't end the way he expects it would. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Can I just point out to you that God calls Abraham out. And, and look what he says in verse number one. He says, get thee out. This is God speaking to Abraham. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. That's your family. Well, you know who Lot is? It's his nephew. You know what that means? Lot shouldn't have come with him to begin with. Right, right. And, and Abraham didn't have the guts to say, hey, man, uh, you're not part of the deal. Yeah, well, you're bringing, you're bringing, you know, Sarah. Well, she's my wife, man. I mean, but <laughs> You know, I can't leave her. I kind of wanted to, but I can't leave her. And and so and so, I, I, I you need to say. But he didn't have the guts to do that. So Lot comes with him. Look what it says here in verse number uh, two. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And and Lot's listening to all of this. And he goes, man, I kind of want that blessing. I want God to bless my life. Look at verse four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old. Talk about a little old to start over in life. 75. Uh, listen, some of you have been, you know, you're, you're older in life. Some of you got saved older in life. Can I just say this? It's never too old if God's involved. All right? You find out this guy has a kid when he's about 100 years old. Listen, 41 ain't that bad. Okay? Same for you guys, all right? 40's not that bad. 40's the new 20. yeah. Right. I'm just telling myself that to make myself feel better, right? You know, that's what you got to do when you have a 20-year-old and you have a baby on the way. That's what you tell yourself. 40s a new twenty. But Abraham's 75 years old, and God calls him out. And Lot, you know why Lot goes with him? Because Lot hears all this stuff about blessing and God blesses him. He goes, I want that. But you know what you find out about Lot? He wants the blessing. He just doesn't want to go about the way God wants to, you to get the blessing. You know what's wrong with us? We want God to bless us. We just don't want to do it God's way. You know I learned from this story? I learned this. God doesn't talk to Abraham, again, until after these two separate in chapter 13. I learned that much. I'm reminded of this much, that our character is not exposed in the best of times, but in the hardest of times. Look if you go to chapter 13, verse 8. You know what happens? There's some strife there. And that strife brings the real character of Lot to the surface. You know what Lot was able to do for a number of years? Kind of just go along with the program. Like a lot of Christian kids do in Christian homes like some of you do even in church, kind of just go along with the program, and then a hard time comes, and then the real stuff comes to the surface. Can I get a witness? And, and you go, man, why, how, why did I do that? Why, why did I choose that? Why did I decide that? It was there the whole time. And Lot was there for the ride, but his heart wasn't in the right place. And eventually, his feet follow his heart. Can I just say this? One choice can make a big difference. How about this one? The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and one to be desired to make one wise. And thousands of years later, you you have rape and you've got genocide and you've got war and you've got famine and you've got the earth under a curse. You say, why? One person made a choice based on something they were looking at. You know what Lot does? He lifts up his eyes and he sees that place. He goes, you know what? I've been dreaming of a place like that. I knew Abraham would never want to go. I've heard things about Sodom, but you know what? It's a great place to raise a family, cheaper uh, 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 cost of living. You know, They vote the way that I like, You know, and so on and so forth. And Lot goes, man, if there's a way to advance myself and my life and my family, this is the direction, or so he thinks. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever ask yourself, do I? Do I want what others have? Do I feel if I just had what they had, I'd be better off? You ever convince yourself that if you just had that place or had that thing or had that relationship, you'd be happy? You know know what the Bible says? A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who can stand before envy? You know what greener grass is kind of precipitating? You know what the foundation of that is? It's It's a heart that says, I need something that I don't have right now. Thou shalt not covet the neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Look at Ephesians chapter number 5. Well, we just learned in Sunday school that's the law. Okay, well, let's go to the New Testament. (laughs) Can I just say this? Covetousness will destroy you. It's like a drug. It's this idea, this nebulous idea of if I just get there, I'll be happy. If I just have that relationship, I'll be happy. If I just get this job, uh, and listen, you might be for a short time, but if God's not at the center of it, you won't be. Listen, the path to greener grass, it starts with an envious heart. Look at Ephesians chapter number 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also had loved us, and had given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness, or what? let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Boy, I'll tell you what, Baptists are real good about going, no, I don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't run with them, but do. Yeah, but you're covetous. And you want stuff that other people have, and you look at that marriage, and you look at that family, and you look at that job, and you look at that thing, you go, man, if I just had that, I would have greener grass, I'd be happy, I'd be content. You won't be content with that because there's always something else you won't have. And if it wasn't your looks, it'll be, it'll be some, for some it's looks, for some it's finances. I tell you what, you know what the girls struggle with? I just wish I had her hair. I wish I had her body. I wish I had her this. You know what the guys struggle with? I wish I could slam dunk. I wish I could wait and live this. I wish I could have that job. I wish I had that car. I wish I had those shoes. You know, but the, re, the result is this. It's a heart that's not settled on God. Yeah. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians, Let's just take a, a little little trip in the New Testament to look at the idea of covetousness. You ever, you ever look online for a pair of shoes, and you go, you know what, I don't need those. I don't need them, but I like them. And then for the next week, on every social media platform you're on, those shoes are following you around. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a bunch of ladies' faces go, ah, <laughs> and it's kind of like, you need me, you want me, buy me. And now they've got it to where, you don't even have to have all the money. They present to you on the front end with like five easy installments of 50 bucks, this could be yours. Right? You say why? Because this entire world system is based on the idea that you have to have something you don't have. Look at Colossians chapter number three. Colossians three. Look at you. would verse four? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall you also appear with him in in glory. Mortify therefore, that means to kill or to make dead or to count dead. Mortify therefore your members, that's your body, your flesh, the old nature which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, uh, affection, evil concupiscence. You're like, man, I don't even know what that word means, but it sounds really bad. Right, concupiscence. And then you're like, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. And then it lists in there covetousness, and look what it says. Which is what? You know why it's idolatry? Because you become the God that needs to be served. When you go, I got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. I need what they have. You know, I don't know why God's blessing them. How come they got a new car? I bet you because they're not tithing. You know, I don't know why God's blessed that person. I'm, you know what you know what you ought to do? Put some blinders on go, God, where do you want me? The Bible says in, in Proverbs, ponder the path of thy feet. In other words, God has you on this path. You know where it ends, but how you arrive is determined by the path that you're taking in between here and there. And if it is a path of covetousness, you will be just like Lot, and you will say to yourself, if I just get this, then I'll be happy, and you'll find yourself miserable on your way to heaven if you're saved, yes, but miserable for the next 30 years of your life. Lot thought, well, i would just just get there. I'd be happy. He got it. Oh, he got the Sodom all right. Look at Philippians chapter four. Go go back one one book. Philippians chapter four. You know what Paul tells Timothy? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, therewith let us be content. Who's got food and cl- I know you got clothing. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm thankful you to come in your birthday suit today. I mean, that's a blessing. You, you came uh, clothed. Who's got food? Who had the opportunity to eat before they came to church? All right. Maybe you didn't eat, but you had the opportunity to eat. All right. You know what that means? We should be content with just that. Amen. Paul also says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have." If he has said, "I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee." Philippians four. Look, if you would, at verse ten but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Anybody else ever get annoyed with Paul? I do. He's in prison and he's like, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And I'm like, I'm in traffic in Denver. I'm like, shut up, Paul. (laughs) You know? Here's this guy suffering for the Lord. He's like, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I'm like, you know why? Because his relationship with God was real to him. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein you were also careful but you lacked opportunity not that i speak in respect of what for i've learned in whatsoever state i am and that doesn't just mean rhode island and maine and colorado and new mexico that means the state of your life whatever state i am therewith to be what i read this there are two ways to get enough one is to continue to accumulate more and more and the other is to simply desire less they had a lot of stuff and it didn't bring them the peace that they needed in their relationship. Go back if you would to Genesis chapter 13. I want to show some things to you out of this passage that I I hope will help you. I hope how you make choices in life as a believer are not the way that Lot makes his choices. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. I want to say this, the path to greener grass is based off of a shallow relationship with God. You know what Lot did? Lot heard about God through Abraham. He heard a lot about God through Abraham, but he had a shallow relationship himself with God. See, so what do you mean by that? Well, look back at the chapter. Prior. You say, well, what is it that, that Lot chooses the direction he goes in? And by the way, if you're not familiar with your Bible, you're like, I don't get what the big deal is in this chapter. This guy chose to go in this certain direction. What's the big deal? Oh, we're going to explain that in a little bit. He loses everything because of this choice. One choice can make a big difference. So, on the surface, this was an innocent story of two guys that choose two different directions. But what you learn is this God had chosen Abraham because of Abraham's character. God was blessing Abraham because of Abraham's relationship with God. Look at chapter 12. Chapter 12. Some of you that just got saved, get in your Bible. And let the Bible get inside of you. And when the doors are open at your church, get there when you can. And build friendships with God's people. Why? You need to go deeper in your walk with God. You cannot do it without the word of God and without the people of God. That's God's plan. You won't improve on that. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Let me show you what what I see here in Abraham's life. Look at verse number 7. When God speaks to Abraham, and he does, and he calls Abraham out, and Abraham follows, look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto who? Not Lot. Lot is already with Abraham at this point. God ignores Lot and goes right to Abraham. You go, oh, that's because God had a favorite. No, it's because of Abraham's character and his desire to walk with God. Look, if you would, at verse 7. Unto these, into thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he, that's Abraham, an altar under the Lord. You know what an altar is? It's a place of sacrifice, a place of remembrance, a place of commitment. And that was Abraham saying, God, I'm all in. Look at chapter 12, verse 8. Chapter 12, verse 8. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there... Look what he did again. Look what Abraham does. He built an altar on the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham is now praying to God. Look at chapter 13, verse 4. This is where Abraham comes back to when he makes it back out of Egypt under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Here's what I'm trying to show you. You read about Abraham talking to God. You read about God talking to Abraham. You don't read about Lot ever talking to God. And you don't read about God talking to Lot. You know why? Lot's relationship with God was through somebody else. It was shallow. Can I tell you this? If your relationship with God is on Sunday and on Wednesday, you're missing out. And there's a good chance when this choice comes in your life, the the, the, the path that goes the fork in the road, the parting of the ways, there's a good chance you're not going to make the right choice. Because a shallow relationship with God brings a lack of discernment in your life. Uh, Look, if you would, at Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 14. The Lord said unto Abram after that Lot was separated from him. So for a majority of this chapter, God's not talking to Abraham because Lot is still with him. And God sees something in the nature of Lot that Abraham himself can't see. Why? Because Abram and Lot were family. And let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to see the issues within our families. You know why? Because we love them. You know what Abraham did? He said, man, i got to keep this guy around. And God's going, hey, he wants to go in a different direction. You better just let him go. And when Lot goes in that direction, God starts talking to Abraham again. Amen. But can I point something out to you? Look at chapter 15, Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto who? Amen. Chapter 15, look at verse number 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with who? All uh, right, look if you at chapter number 17, chapter 17 verse number 1. And Abram and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, in the original languages it says really 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 old. All right? <laughs> The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Uh, Look at the same chapter in verse uh, 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, so on and so forth. Look at the same chapter in verse number 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. You know what I'm trying to get? I'm trying to show you that Abraham and God had a real relationship. That's why in the New Testament, Abraham is called the friend of God. Would God call you his friend? I'm not talking like the 1,572 friends you have on Facebook. I'm talking about real friends. You know what Lot was? Lot was connected with God on Facebook. But he wasn't connected with God like this. Lot's entire understanding of God and Lot's uh, relationship and communication with God was all channeled to another person. Guys, that's called religion. That's not a relationship with God. Before I was saved, I I was part of a religion that taught me I had to go to a man to get to God. You don't have to do that. You can go right on your knees at home and talk to your Heavenly Father. What a blessing. The creator of the universe is your father, and you have access to his throne at whatever time that you need to and whatever moment of your life. That's a blessing, and lot was missing out. My question is, are you missing out? Chapter 18. Well, we're getting closer to the danger zone, highway to the danger zone. That's maybe what we could have called this. Lot was in the highway to the danger zone. Sounds really cool until you're in the danger zone, you know. <laughs> Look at chapter 18, verse number 1. And The Lord appeared unto him, that's Abram, in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He said, what's going on here? God's about to warn Abraham about some bad stuff that's going to go down in Sodom. Where Lot ends up. And Lot doesn't quite know this yet. Who did God talk to first? Was it Lot or was it Abraham? Wasn't it about Lot's own life? And yet he didn't go to Lot first. Isn't that interesting? You say, why? Oh, one had a real relationship with God and one didn't. It's kind of like the story of Jacob and Esau. You know what Esau has? Esau sells out his birthright. What for? A bowl of of lentils. A, 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 A bowl of soup. His birthright that God gave him. He goes, you know what? What good is my birthright if I can't live? You know what that is? That's the sound of a lot. That's the sound of a carnal Christian that goes, I want what I want in this life. I don't care about what's coming way over there in eternity in the hither and yon. I want what I want right now. Well, good luck to you. You're going to be miserable for the next 30, 40 years of your life on your way to heaven. Well, I'm saved. Thank God for that. But you are going to care how you arrive when you get there. A lot didn't. You know what I know about a lot of Christians? When things aren't going well, they look at God and they go, God hates me. He's not giving me what I want. And when, God, when things are going good, oh, God loves me. Can I, can I tell you, that's not how it works. That's a shallow viewpoint of your relationship with God. Well, things are going my way, so God's blessing me. Things aren't going my way, God must be cursing me. Things are going the way that I expected, so you know what that means? God must be on my side. Guys, it doesn't work that way in life. Sometimes you go through trials and, and hardship and tribulation because God loves you so much. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, inside of you, and he wants his character to be shown to this world through your life, and you can't see that. And because you can't see that, you assume that when things are bad, God's against you. When things are good, God is for you. And it's much, much deeper than that. Maybe Lot looked at Abraham kind of like some Christians look at God. God's unfair because, and I want to get away from him. Maybe, Maybe Lot thought of Abraham as uncle. You know, he's just too strict. Just too much. I'm going to use this word that gets thrown around a lot these days. Legalism. Now, let me just say this. You know what legalism actually is according to the Bible? It's you going and living under the law. Legalism doesn't mean you don't have any convictions. All right? Le- legalism is, is you going back under the law. Anymore, when a preacher stands up and says, this is wrong and this is right, legalism, check your Bible to define that. All right? That, that's just called preaching what the whole counsel of God. And at some point, you're not going to like something that the Bible says. I don't like everything the Bible says either. Can we all be part of the same club? The I don't like what the Bible says club. Yeah. But we still try to live by a club. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, listen. You know what? Lot probably thought, Abraham, you're too strict. I want to get away from you. Well, he did. He had a shallow relationship with God. Can I say this secondly? look back at Genesis chapter 13. We'll, we'll get to the end in just a moment, but we're not quite there. <laughs> Genesis chapter 13. Look, if you would, at verse number 10. I want you to understand something. God does not want you as a believer to be void of having goals and having any kind of vision or desire in your life. God is not up there with like a lightning bolt going, I I just want you to pray and read your Bible 24 hours a day and don't do anything else and don't think about anything else. That's not your God. He wants you to have goals and desires and dreams and a vision for where you're going. That's good, but it needs to be centered on Him. Let me show you what Lot does. The Bible says in verse uh, number 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord. Listen, you know what Lot's doing? He's looking at things through the eyes of logic. What looks good to me? What makes sense to me? Can I say this secondly? The path to greener grass is based off of a carnal vision. It's the way you look at things through carnal eyes. It's if it makes sense to me and I want it and I can attain it, I'm going to get it. And can I say this? Lot did exactly that. He looked at me, he goes, man, it's green over there. It's well watered. Things look good. They just look happier there. Everyone's happy. Look, they have a great, look, everyone's driving a Tesla. They don't even have to worry about filling up. I mean, everything's just wonderful over there uh, in Sodom. If I could just get there, whether it's green or grass. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at things through the eyes of man, not through the eyes of God. Can I ask you a question? How are you making choices in your life? Where do you go? What you do, who you associate with, is it based off of just your vision or is any of this God's? If Lot had stopped, how about this? If Lot had stopped and said, God, I want to go in that direction. What do you think? Right. Do you think maybe God would have been like, that's a bad idea. They're going to experience like 300 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> in, in a couple of years. You're not going to want to go there. Like just stay away. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He looked at something, no thought of God, no thought of anything after that. He just said, it looks good, I can take it, I will. And he did. The Bible says, but the path of the justice is the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. You know what he did? He followed his own senses, his own persuasion, his own prejudices, his own preferences, how he felt about it. But I can tell you this, he never stopped and Ask God what he thought about it. Can I say this? When trouble comes, and it will come, and there's strife in your life, and there will be strife. If you train yourself to just think of things through the natural responses and the natural senses, when real trouble comes, you're not going to make the right choice. How about this one? Peter walking on water. He's walking on water. And the Bible says, when he saw the wind boisterous. Then he began to sink. You see, what was he doing? He was looking at things through his carnal eyes. Through the eyes of faith, I'm walking on water towards Jesus Christ. And as soon as I start looking at the elements, you know what I'm doing? My eyes are no longer on the Lord. Now it's on my circumstances. And I begin to think, you say, what is that? It's carnal. You know what Lot did? I want to get ahead in life. I want what's best for my family. I want to advance myself. I want to pro- uh, uh, progress in my finances. And I want all these things that we think about as normal people and without any thought of God, he went in the direction he thought was right. Do you think for a moment, I don't think Lot was like, I just want to go beat around people that want to abuse my family. They do. They threatened to do it. I don't think that's where Lot thought he was going. I don't think Lot thought to himself, I want to go to a place where God's going to rain down fire and brimstone. Sounds like a great spot to build a family. He didn't think that. He just looked at it from his perspective without ever asking God his. How are you making choices in your life? Can I say this? One look can change a lot of things. The Bible says of David, he was walking one day at the time when kings go forth to battle and he saw a woman bathing herself, and you know what that look led to. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that when the woman saw the tree was good for food, you know where that led to. Achan in Joshua 7 said, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and the wedge of gold and all that, you know where that left to. In Genesis 19, which we will get to in a moment, Lot's very own wife took one last look at the city that she had called home for all those years, and that was the end of Lot's wife. One look can change everything. You don't know, know about the prodigal son? Everyone has a story about the prodigal son. But everybody thinks that like one day he just got me. he's like, I'm going to go do something really stupid. No, he'd been looking in that direction a really long time. He was just biding his time until which time he had the power to actually act on what he wanted the whole time, just like Lot. Can I say this? Your eyes, your human eyes, you're not going to see everything. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. How about this? How about truth? in human form, standing in front of you. Here's Pilate, and here's Jesus Christ, the the creator of the world that we know, in human form, and there he is, the one that formed the eyes, and and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living soul. That same one is standing before a sinner, one of his own uh, creation, and that piece of creation looks back at the creator and says this, what is truth? Truth was right in front of you, and you missed it. You know why? Because you're looking at things through the carnal eyes. You know, Pilate thinks to himself, if this was really God, is there any way that I could have him in chains? You're missing the point, Lot. You're missing the point, Pilate. And Lot, you're missing the point as well. You're looking at things through your eyes. You have no idea where this is leading. All the time, people say, "I." people come to me and go, Pastor, I'm doing this. Okay. A year later, why didn't you warn me? You didn't ask. I learned a long time ago, I'm not giving unsolicited advice. You know why? Because if you're not asking, your heart's not ready for it. And I can tell you this, it's much more important with God than it is with man. You should be asking God, what do you think about the direction my feet are going in? Lord, what do you think about that relationship? Lord, Lord, is this me thinking this is best, or is this you thinking this is best? People, all the Christians all the time making choices, big, life-changing decisions that will alter the course of their life for decades to come. And they make decisions simply based on what looks good and what feels good without any thought of what's coming after that. I want to point a contrast out to you. Look at Genesis 18. Let me, let me just show you something. that I thought about this. Here we are on the side of a bank. And, you know, you drive by some church. Some of you probably drove some, by some churches this morning. you are like, man, that's a nice church building. Especially if you're visiting with us, you're like, wait, where is this church at? I see the bank. I see people that look like they're dressed for church walking into what I think is a bank. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> and you drive by all these big, pretty church buildings, you know, and it's easy to come here and go, oh, we're just kind of sitting in a tent. You know where Abraham was when God showed up in Genesis 18? In the door of a tent. Look at verse eight, at chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Can, can I ask you to go one chapter to the right? Look at Genesis 19. So God shows up to a man while he's sitting in the door of a tent. I mean, a very humble place, a place that you wouldn't expect that God would show up and you go, man, that's kind of... Interesting that God shows up to this guy here. If you're looking at Lot and Abraham's life and comparing them in the moment, you know who looks like they're winning? Lot. Look at where Lot's at in Genesis 19. Look at verse one. Do you know what it was to sit in the gates of a city? That meant you were prominent. That meant you had wealth. That meant you were looked up to. That meant you were one of them. You were a big shot. So let me ask you a question. Would you rather be a big shot and have God's angel show up or would you rather be a little shot and have God show up directly to you? You say, well, what's all this based off of? One man's vision versus another. Can I say this? Look, if you would, at verse number uh, Genesis 13. Look, look back at th- chapter 13, verse 8. A real simple thought here. The path to greener grass presents itself during a time of conflict. You say, what do you mean? Let there be no strife. You're going to have pressure on you as a believer after you get saved. There'll be certain milestones in your life, and there's gonna feel, you're going to feel spiritual warfare. Can, I, can I, anybody hear what I'm talking about? And you kind of go, man, where did this come from? Why am I experiencing this? You know what? There's this pressure relief valve. I can just turn this switch. I can drop my Bible, get out of all this, and I'm done. I'm good. Right? And in the moment, it sounds like a good idea. In the moment, it's like, man, if I can just get out of this, you know, uh, not, you know, maybe I can just be, a, I can be a Christian, but not a Jesus free Christian. I, I can be a, 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 a Christian, but just not go to church. I can, I can do all the, I can be saved and not go that far, and I can relieve my my life from the pressure in the moment. Yes. Can I ask you a question? What would you rather have: pressure in that moment, or lose everything God gave you? You know, a lot did. He lost everything. Can I say this? The path to greener grass is marked by selfishness. Look at verse 11. Then, look at the next three words. Lot chose, who did he choose for? Him. You know what happens in chapter 19? I'm going to try to keep this very PG. we got little ones in here. It happens in chapter 19. There's some men from the city that gather around the house where the angels come to visit with Lot and they want to get to know the men. That's literally how the Bible puts it. You can read it for yourself. And you know what Lot says? Uh, my brethren, do not so wickedly. Let me give you my daughters. What? How messed up is that? Amen. You know why? Because when you start on a selfish path, when you're in it that deep, you, you don't just all, not, all of a sudden you know, turn a, a switch and start thinking of others. It's all about you. And for a lot, it was like, ah, as long as I can keep everything kind of where it is and control the situation, here's my daughters. That is wicked. Yeah. That's wrong. It's selfish. You know what that is? It's a picture of a Christian being willing to give their children of the world to get what they want out of life. Right. And we're seeing it all around us, parents. Chapter 19 and verse 14, his sons-in-law didn't take him seriously. Chapter uh, 19, verse 26, his wife looks back and she's gone. Chapter 19, verse 36, just look at chapter 19, and verse 36. I'm just going to leave it there. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. There's a lot of verses I didn't read for a certain reason. You can read this there on your own time, but can I just say this much? When Lot looks up and sees what he wants and knows it's best for him and he knows what's best for him and God's not going to tell him and the Bible's not going to tell him and the preacher's not going to tell him, you know what Lot does? He decides the fate not just for himself but for those around him. You say, what is that? Incest. It's disgusting. It's evil. It's perversion. Where'd he learn it? Where'd they learn it? Sodom. I just want to advance my family. Yeah, well, you're not going to do it that way. Do you think in his mind, Lot thought whenever I'm going to make a decision to go in that direction and that's the path he chooses to get on, do you think in his mind he thought, man, my my children will commit incest, my wife will turn to a pillar of salt, my sons-in-law will die there, I'll lose everything that I had, and I'll be living. The last you know about Lot is him sitting in a cave. That's the last you hear about Lot. Can I just say this? The path to greener grass is followed without the end in sight. You read chapter 19, you say, what happens from here? Well, look at chapter 20. Look at chapter 20, verse 1. Who's mentioned again? You know who's not mentioned? You know nothing else about Lot's life except for he made a mess of everything. You know where it all started? I know what's best for me. I can see over there, that looks like greener grass. I want it. I'm going. And no one's going to tell me any different. Your Heavenly Father, if you're saved, loves you so much. He puts warnings in the scriptures to show you the nature of human, uh, your own human nature and what you are and who you are without Him. And He's trying to warn you this morning, Church, I pray that we never go, If we could just get a building, we'll be happy. You better be happy where you're at. I pray we never say, you know, if I just have this and and I see what's best for me and it's over that horizon, it's with that, you don't know, you better stop and say, God, if I keep following myself and what I think is right and what sounds good to me, I know it's going to end up a mess. Lord, I want you in every aspect of my life. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. You want to end right? Get your eyes focused on the right person. Amen. Looking into Jesus. Not your family, not your bills, not your job, not your career. Not listen. All those things are part of life, and they're not all even all. They're not even all bad. Some of these are amazing things that God has blessed you with, but don't turn the blessing into a curse. Right, amen. You see, Lot was all about getting the blessing, but it was all about himself. He lost sight of God. And I think this. Look, if you would, at Genesis chapter 25. I want you to see Abraham, how he ends. You know, Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Old preacher said, it's important to start right, but it's imperative to end well. (laughs) If you're saved, you started right. You started over right. Amen? Amen. You know, I tell young people all the time, look, I don't even know what they play anymore. When I was a kid, it was Nintendo. And when I was getting whooped by my brother in a certain game, I would hit the reset button. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? All right. So you know what salvation is? Salvation is the greatest reset button in your life. (laughs) And it resets it for eternity. Right? But but here's what you understand. You started right when you got saved. How are you going to finish? I can tell you this. You will not flip a switch. When you are really, 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 really old, you've got to decide right now, Amen. before the end is upon you, Amen. that you're not going to make choices like Lot did, based on what's convenient and what looks good. Amen. Amen. You know what Abraham did? You go that way, you know what? You know where Abraham's at? Abraham sits still. When you read the whole chapter in Genesis 13, which we didn't do, you know what Abraham did when Lot left? He just goes, okay, Lord, where next. You could learn something from that guy lord i i want to go over there but you didn't tell me that that's just my emotions and my feelings i want to relieve the pressure but i don't feel it's right and lord i i I see things a certain way but i have a feeling that it's not how you see them in god i'm just gonna sit still until you tell me where to go you know what lost doing gotta go gotta go gotta go i got to get married. I'm, I'm 16 years old and I'm not married yet. I'm going to die an old maid. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? Slow it down. Right. Amen. Genesis 25. Genesis 25 verse number 8. I gotta be honest with you. I'm having a fourth girl. All I can think of is four weddings. <laughs> and, and if I can convince them to wait till they're forty to get married, I might be dead. I don't want to pay for any of it. <laughs> so, Genesis 25, look at verse eight. Then Abraham gave up the ghost. Because guess what, folks? That day's coming for all of us. All right. Unless the rapture takes you out first, which I wouldn't mind, but if it doesn't, this will be you. You are going to eventually give up the ghost. What it says here, and he died in a good old age, an old man, full of years. And I like this. He was gathered to his people. Where's the verse that talks about how Lot dies? Um, um, uh, keep looking. You know, I learn about Christians that live their life like Lot. They just kind of fade away. Never to make a mark on eternity, never to make a difference in anyone else's life. You know why? It was all about them. You know why some Christians aren't in church? Someone hurt me. Seems like your sins hurt Jesus Christ. Amen. You know why some Christians quit you know what? I'll tell you why, because it's all about them without thinking of anything or anybody else. I was driving to church this morning. Me and my wife were talking about the you know, the the potential of buying a piece of property for the church. If the Lord blessed, you would have to do some real Lord, if you're listening, do some real big stuff, and, and, and we know that, but we're talking about that, we, I jokingly said, you know what's going to happen if the Lord blesses like this? It's just about some people in Tennessee that are trying to build a church, and all the permits, and the red tape, and all the, yeah, all the gray hair that's being put on the preacher, you know, and, and all that stuff, and, and I said, you know what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. This generation of our church will, will toil, and will sweat, and will pour out blood, sweat, and tears, so that 20 years from now, kids will take it for granted. Sure. Can, can, I, can I say this? I think Lot took for granted all the blessings of God that he had with Abraham. Yeah. And he thought it would always be that way. The peace and the joy. Yeah, well, it's hard. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But aren't you sleeping better at night with your walk with God Amen. than you were when you were lost? Amen. And aren't you? Hey, don't sell out just because it looks good. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord spoke to you, the altar's open. Father, this morning I pray that you speak to hearts as only you can. Well, I've done my part, but I, I know that your part's a whole lot more important than mine. And Lord, there are people that have some burdens here today, some people, Lord, that have some critical decisions to make, and they're your children. I pray you give them clarity of mind, clarity of heart, help them not just to see greener grass. Lord, help them, it'd be better to be in a desert, in a tent with you than in a place with greener grass without you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if I ask this question, how many of you are saved? Most most of the hands would probably go up. I said, if you're sure that if you died today, you'd be in heaven, most of the hands in this room would probably go up. Yep, I know I'm a born again child of God. I'm so glad for the young lady that got saved Wednesday night. She could put her hand up tonight, today, and she couldn't then. (laughs) But let me just say this much. If you're here and you've never been born again, no one is looking around. This is between you and God. I'm not gonna point you out, but I'd like to pray for you. If you're here and you've never been saved, can I, can I encourage you to be open and honest with God and say, I'm not saved. Would you raise your hand and go, I don't think I'm saved. I don't know that if I die today, I'm not 100% sure I'd be in heaven. If that's your testimony, would you be open and honest with God enough to just slip your hand up? I won't point you out, but I'd like to pray for you. Anybody here like that? Because if you're here like that, you're, you're not even on the right, you're not going in the right place. Let alone, we can't even talk about the path of your feet yet because it's never been set where you're going. Not set on the right place. But if you're saved, there's a path. And you're taking those steps every single day, those small decisions, those small moments that seem so insignificant. Where are your eyes set today? Are they set on greener grass? Are you content with God in the desert? You know what those Israelites said? We remember the melons and the leeks and the cucumbers and the onions and the garlic, all that we ate. And they said, we ate it freely. No, you didn't. You were slaves. You know what happened? They got in the desert and they started reinventing history. Hey, can I say this? It's better to be in a desert with God than to be in a city without Him. Christian, I, I pray every single one of you. I do. I pray that every believer in this place finishes right. The Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was unique. Their winner was not the one that got there first, but the winner, rather, was the one that got there with their lights still lit. I just pray, Christian, you understand the choices you make daily, they determine whether you go first class or coach. Choose choose wisely. You see what happens to Lot? He runs for his life from a place where everything burns up the path to greener grass led to everything being burnt. Isn't that wild? It's not how he thought it would go. You say, what is that a picture of? It's a picture of a Christian of the judgment seat of Christ missing out on everything God wanted for them. They're still saved. They still get there. But man, everything just burns up. Nothing to show for the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of being saved on this planet. Christian, you are called to make a difference. If you want to leave a mark on this earth, you cannot do it by following your feet to what you think is greener grass. say, well, pastor, that kind of is a sad story. It is. But here's the good news. You can choose to be Abraham and not choose to be Lot. Amen. And I I pray that we leave. Listen, I was talking to someone about this recently. Nothing wrong with the mantra we hear from Christianity today, which is come as you are. God doesn't care how you come, but he wants you to leave differently than you came. And I pray that if you came in as a lot, that you might leave more like an Abraham. Amen. Amen. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. We uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, for all the music, for the testimony from the Sleers, the good fellowship, all of it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Wednesday night, uh, we'll be uh, continuing our Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit. I believe the next one is temperance. Is it temperance? Does anybody know? Who's a Bible scholar here? All right, temperance or meekness? Yeah, Yeah, you. (laughs) You're the scholar. It's one of those. It's really good, all right? So be here Wednesday night as we go through that. uh, And uh, we look forward to having you here. And then again, uh, coming up in September on Wednesday nights, our Kids Club will start back up for a Disciples Bible Club for our kids. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, pray you got something from the Word of God that maybe touched your heart. You can leave a little bit differently than you came. Look forward to seeing you, hopefully, Wednesday night. Uh, let's go with Brother Steon, travel buddy today. Brother, if you would, open, uh, close us out in a word of prayer. Appreciate it.